This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. The Tasmanian tiger, easily distinguished by his straight, unjointed tail, forced out of its natural habitat by the march of civilization. The Tasmanian tiger, also known as the thylacine, was declared extinct in the 1980s. Guardian Australia's environment editor, Adam Morton, lives in Tasmania, and he says for locals, the myth and the symbol of the Tassie tiger lives on. It's used to sell beer. It's the emblem for Cascade. It's the emblem for sporting teams. It is used by Tourism Tasmania to promote the state. And how remarkable that is when it's an animal that was driven to extinction by the ancestors of those who are now celebrating it just a couple of generations ago, really. A team of scientists from the US and Australia want to bring the Tassie tiger back, launching an ambitious multi-million dollar project with the backing of big name investors and celebrities like Chris Hemsworth. But some in the scientific community have raised questions over whether this is possible and also worth all the time and money. Today, bringing back the Tassie tiger. It's Monday, the 5th of September. So Adam, it feels like this story kind of has it all. We're bringing back an extinct animal. You've got celebrities. You've got international scientific collaboration. What did you think about it when you first heard of it? What a fascinating story, right? It has so many elements and um, has an incredibly romantic idea. Imagine if we could actually bring back a Tassie tiger. That'd be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Tell me about the Tassie tiger. What is it? Uh, well, it's not a tiger, is the first thing to say. It's a marsupial, known also as the thylacine. Uh, it was known as Corinna uh, by uh, First Nations people before European colonisation. Really had a unique place in the Australian ecosystem as the only marsupial apex predator, which means basically it was at the top of the food chain. And it's been called all sorts of things over time. It was called the Tasmanian tiger. It was called the Tasmanian wolf. Of all those things, it looks most like a dog, but had a pouch. Mm. It had distinctive stripes down sort of the, the back half of its back and a tail that sort of trailed out in the air behind it as it walked and prowled. And there was a time uh, millennia ago where it was found right across parts of Australia and Papua New Guinea, but it was restricted to Tasmania for the last couple of thousand years of its existence. Just to clarify, Adam, so it's more like a kangaroo that walks on four legs than a dog, genetically. In terms of its origin and its evolution, yes. It's a marsupial that is much more closely related to the things you see hopping around in the Australian wilderness than to dogs or tigers or wolves. When and why did the Tassie tiger go extinct, Adam? The last known specimen died in 1936 at Hobart Zoo. Being forced out of its natural habitat, the Tasmanian tiger is now very rare. This is the only one in captivity in the world. It was left out overnight in the cold, apparently, and didn't make it through. Mm. Colonisation plays a huge role in its extinction. It's been estimated there are about 5,000 Tassie tigers in the state at the time of European colonisation. And about 2,000 were killed by hunters and farmers that were seeking a bounty that was placed on its head by the Tasmanian government at the time. Mm, why a bounty? It was believed to be a threat to sheep as farms were spreading across the state 
And there was a lot of really inflated language to suggest that it was a threat to sheep and perhaps even humans when the evidence, if you look at it, suggests that this was massively overplayed. Mm. There is a kind of mythos around whether the Tassie tiger survived, right, Adam? Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are hundreds of reported sightings that have been relayed to authorities and documented over the decades since it's thought to have gone extinct. It was announced a couple of days ago that Neil Waters has found, apparently, or taken a photograph of a family of thylacine. A couple of weeks ago, I received, you know, a small handful of messages from people who say, for example, that their father had seen one in the Tassie Highlands in the mid-1950s. Or did I know that there had been a sighting in that had been widely reported in the northeast of the state in the 1980s and there'd been um, a serious scientific investigation into that? This is thylacentral. I keep some of my evidence in here. So these are what I believe to be thylacine prints. So you don't have to go far to find people who believe that it still existed for a long time after the 30s and may still exist, but there's no scientific evidence to back that up. Right, so tell me about this campaign to bring back the Tassie tiger. Who is doing this, Adam? It's probably worth just noting quickly that this has been an idea that's been around for at least a couple of decades and different scientists Mm. have attached themselves to it. The current uh, project is being run by scientists in both Australia and the US. In Australia, it's led by Professor Andrew Pask from the University of Melbourne. He's a professor in epigenetics, He's got an interest in reproduction and development. He's been working on research into the Tasmanian tiger's genetics for a long time, including embarking on an ambitious project to put together a thylacine genome, which is basically its genetic blueprint. Earlier this year, he and his team got a big kick along for their work when they received a $5 million philanthropic gift out of the blue from a wealthy family, the Wilson Family Trust, to open a thylacine genetic restoration lab. It has a longer acronym that translates to TIGGER, which um, is worth mentioning, I think. So a TIGGER (laughs) lab, that's a huge injection of money to really push along their work to try and bring this species back. And he recently went on uh, Channel 10's The Project to discuss their work. Ten years ago, even maybe five years ago, this really was beyond the realm of what we, we could do. But there's been huge advances in the way that we can get DNA and read DNA, particularly from really old animals, ancient specimens and things, as well as new technologies in DNA editing, which make this possible. But the other thing that really makes this possible now is having a huge investment in doing this work. And what about the US company, Adam? Who are they? Okay, so the US de-extinction company, as they're sometimes called, Colossal Biosciences. They're based in Texas. They're a biotech company. The chief executive and co-founder is a gentleman called Ben Lamb, who's a tech and software entrepreneur. And he founded this company with uh, Professor George Church, who is a globally leading figure in cutting-edge genetics techniques based at Harvard Medical School and widely regarded as a leader in the area. So they sort of came out um, with their first big project announcement last year saying they plan to use genetic engineering techniques to recreate the woolly mammoth and return it to the Arctic. And Colossal is now partnered with Andrew Pask and his team at University of Melbourne with the thylacine as their second species that they're 
hoping to bring back from the dead. And they kicked in an undisclosed but substantial amount of cash, more than the $5 million that the Australian team already had. Mm, a de-extinction company sounds fascinating, Adam. I mean, have you heard of companies like this? Is this a thing in the scientific community? It can lead to assumptions that this is some sort of frivolous business, right? It doesn't sound real, but they have really serious scientists working there and some money behind them. So they are serious about trying to get these animals back alive and back out into the wild. So Adam, I know that Chris Hemsworth, Paris Hilton, people like the Winklevoss twins and a bunch of other celebrities have pitched in money to Colossal. How involved will celebrities like this be in the Tassie Tiger Project specifically? It's um, multi-part, I think. Some of it's money and exciting quotes on a press release. But Colossals also has solicited influences on social media to put out promotional content about its work on platforms like Instagram and TikTok. Huge, huge news coming out of Australia today. I am going to get to see a thylacine in my lifetime. You know, they've got their own hashtag. They're trying to really drum up interest in their work to clone and bring thylacines back into the world. This is huge. Right, this is a pretty unique approach, Adam. Have you seen this type of approach being used in scientific research before? Oh, look, it's not a common thing to get this sort of big social media push for a scientific project. And uh, people who work in this area certainly wince a bit at seeing, you know, what is really an overly simplified version of what's going on, right? You know, it's a corporate approach to science and some scientists are uncomfortable with that. Adam, have we done this before, brought an animal back from extinction? No, we haven't. Uh, people have roughly figured out the steps and had some success in that, but we haven't brought an animal back that survived. Mm. As far as we know then, w what does this process involve, Adam? So obviously it's an incredibly complex process and the explanation I'm about to give you is an incredibly simplified version. First thing you need to do is sequence the genome uh, and that involves using whatever tissue that's been preserved of the animal to map out its DNA and create a kind of blueprint. Mm. In the case of the Tassie tiger, we do have specimens, including a particularly good specimen at um, Museums Victoria. And so far the University of Melbourne team has successfully sequenced a genome using one of those specimens. They've got about a 95% match. Mm. And for about 10 others had what they call a shallow sequence. So done less exactly, but they're trying with a range of other specimens because obviously there are a range of Tassie tiger specimens in different places. The next step after that is you need to edit the DNA of a close living relative of the animal, of the thylacine in this case, to try to match that thylacine genome. Right, so you're editing DNA to look like a Tassie tiger. Is that something we commonly do, editing DNA? Well, we've been editing DNA for a long time, but a genome editing tool called CRISPR, which was invented in 2009, has made it easier. And Professor George Church from Colossal is one of the world's foremost experts in this. Hmm. So basically, they use CRISPR to edit stem cells from a living marsupial that has similar DNA to the thylacine. And the most likely marsupial they'll use is an animal called the fat-tailed dunnart, which is basically a marsupial mouse that lives in the desert. Hmm. So 
the step is to take its cells, turn them into thylacine cells or the closest approximation that's possible, and then use that DNA to create an embryo. That embryo would be transferred either into an artificial womb or a Dunnart surrogate, and hopefully would gestate into a Tasmanian tiger. Mm. It sounds incredibly advanced, Adam. It sounds like something from a a sci-fi movie, but they're saying that it can be done. That's right. I mean, it does sound like stuff from Jurassic Park. It sounds unthinkable. It is not yet done, but this is serious people attempting this work and they're reasonably advanced in the early stages, I guess I would say, and they've mapped out what they see as the path. And Andrew Pask explained how he hoped this would all play out and what the timeline would be in an interview with Channel 7. So I think it's really feasible within 10 years' time we would at least have that, that thylacine or tassie tiger cell and we'd be ready to go to that next step of actually bringing that animal back. Wow. So he believes that we could bring back the tassie tiger in about a decade, maybe a bit more, What do others think? Does anyone doubt that this could be achieved at all? Oh, it's it's very easy to find scientists who have doubts that this is possible, like uh, Professor Corey Bradshaw from Flinders University, who has said he has real doubts about the lab-based part of the project. But even if that were to work, he thinks it's highly unlikely you could have enough genetic diversity in a newly created population of Tassie tigers that they could be released into the wild and survive. What do you mean by genetic diversity? What what kind of worries do they have at that stage of the project? Well, for a, a species to survive and thrive, you need to have enough variation in their genetic makeup of the population so that they can breed and have a healthy population. The genome that's been sequenced will allow, in theory, the creation of a particular thylacine but you would need to do that for a range of slightly different um, thylacines with different genomes for a population to have a chance. Ideally, you'd have thousands. Now, they're going to have to start with fewer than that. I think you'd have to bring back a a decent number, maybe 20 or 30 or so, to have enough genetic diversity to make sure that you had a really healthy population because you need to be able to... What the ultimate goal would be would be to restore these animals back into the wild. Right, so it's one thing to create a single Tasmanian tiger, but it's another thing to create 80 to 100 that are slightly different that can then breed, live together, roam the wild. Is that kind of the worry there, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. So if you create, say you create one male and one female and they're the same and they breed, think about the inbreeding consequences and the health of that population will be. There's just, it's just impossible. You need to have genetic diversity, genetic variety within a population for it to have a chance at survival. Mm. And do we know if it's possible to realistically recreate the Tassie tiger? Do they believe that it will act and breathe and hunt in the same way that Tassie tigers did in the 1930s? It's impossible to know. Obviously, if an animal is created based on a thylacine genome, it's unlikely to be an exact replica of a thylacine or mixing a thylacine with another species for a start. And you can have minor variations in the genetic material. The scientists won't know in advance what impact that would have on the 
animal that's produced at the end. But Andrew Pask is optimistic that he can make what he calls a 99.9% Tasmanian tiger. Next, is bringing back the Tassie tiger worth it? So Adam, that's kind of the how in this whole process, but I suppose another big question is why? Why do they want to bring back the Tassie tiger? So one of the motivations, according to the researchers, is that returning an apex predator could help rebalance the ecosystem in the state. Mm. The place of an apex predator has not been filled since the thylacine went extinct. Maybe there's a few feral cats, but they're not a replacement. And returning an apex predator to the ecosystem can have positive effects. Another motivation is that the project will bring attention to this area of science. Bringing back a species like the thylacine is an incredibly romantic idea. They, as we've discussed, hold a outer-sized kind of place in the not just Tasmanian, but Australian and I think even international imagination. You know, it's a charismatic species, right? We have video of it walking around at Hobart Zoo. You know, they released a couple of years ago colorized video, and it was you know, hugely emotional, I think, for a lot of people to actually see that and what's been lost in our lifetime and what could have been avoided. Really, that resonates with a lot of people and therefore is a good way into trying to get funding for and promotion of this idea that underpins it, which is that we can bring back any sort of species if we develop the technology. So it has been chosen for that reason, because it will grab attention for what is a broader de-extinction project. And the scientists say it's not just about raising awareness. The argument is that it is also a process that could be helpful for other animals on the brink of extinction. Right. How exactly could this project help other animals and other species at the threat of extinction. Can you break that down a little? Well, essentially the hope is if an animal is going extinct or has gone extinct, we would know that we could bring them back. Uh, We'd be able to prepare in advance. So you could get genetic samples of a range of species that are at risk and kind of store them as a fail-safe. Wouldn't it be better to stop those animals going extinct in the first place, Adam? Is that a valid argument? I think it is a valid argument, but I look at it a little bit differently. I'm quite persuaded by an argument made by uh, Professor Ewan Ritchie, who's an ecologist and conservation biologist at Deakin University, who uh, he says funding for conservation should not be seen as a zero-sum game and that the support for de-extinction research has not come at the expense of other environmental protections. So, I mean, put another way, this is money that would not have been there for conservation otherwise. It's additional. What it does highlight though, the discussion around this is just how little in relative terms we prioritise our existing environment. And Richie gives a really compelling example of this. The previous federal government, the Morrison government, announced $10 million for 100 priority threatened species last year in a particular point, which isn't really that much money in the scheme of things. And at the same time, native forests continue to be cleared and billions are being spent on subsidies to expand fossil fuel industries. So if you're concerned about millions of dollars going towards the Tassie tiger, maybe that concern would be better placed about the lack of millions of dollars going towards threatened species. Well, I think you could be concerned about both, but really the focus should be on, I think, how much we're failing existing species now and we're not failing them because of this thylacine project. Considering this kind of ethical back and forth and the scientific questions hanging over this project that you've just outlined... 
Does the scientific community back this? Do they believe that this should be done? I think it's been mixed. I mean, we've talked about some of the negative reaction, but there are also a lot of scientists who think that this work is achievable, challenging, but achievable, necessary, and that inevitably going to happen. And therefore it's exciting that this work is being done wherever it ends up. It's obviously they're doing work that could be built upon in this challenge to bring back extinct species. That was Adam Morton, Climate and Environment Editor at Guardian Australia. You can find a whole bunch of Adam's reporting on the Tasmanian tiger at theguardian.com. And you can find a link on the full story page to his latest piece titled, Resurrecting the Tasmanian Tiger May Be a Noble Idea, But What About Preserving Existing Species? This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and Camilla Hannan, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Mattignoni, Gabrielle Jackson, Molly Glassie, and me, Laura Mephiotes. Okay, catch you next time. <laughs>